What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. This week's episode features Gainette Jones, a leading millennial mentor, motivational speaker, best-selling author, blogger, founder of Game Changing Industries, YouTuber, plus the creator of the Gold Chaser VIP and the Book Boss Blueprint, program she created for aspiring millennial entrepreneurs and self-published authors. Most importantly, she's my sister-in-law. So we're keeping it in the family this week. And yes, she refers to me as DJ, like most of my family does back home. Genete has been featured in the Huffington Post, Refinery29, Black Enterprise, and Success.com, just to name a few. She also serves thousands of ambitious women through her newsletter, Gold Chaser Insider Membership, and programs. She's stunting on me all. I talk about how Gainete helps millennials make a greater impact on the world, what a money block is and how they affect women, why artists may need to think outside of the box if they want to make a living from their skill set, how and why she vets potential clients, and why everyone has the time to accomplish a big goal in life. There was a lot that we didn't get into, like how living in Venezuela impacted her life, being kidnapped and held at gunpoint and more of the behind the scenes of how her business works and how she's encouraging her daughter, my niece, to engage in entrepreneurship. I'll definitely have her back on so we can dig more into those topics, but I think you'll enjoy this. And um, I hope you enjoy meeting Gainete. Welcome, people. I'm excited to have my first official guest, which is uh, Gainete. She's a person who I've been wanting to interview for a long, long time before I had this podcast and just dig into some of the stuff that she's into and figure out how she became the powerhouse that she is today. And I'm excited to introduce her to my audience. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, it's dope to finally have you on here. So let's start off with the formalities. What's your name and what do you do? Okay, so my name is Gainette Jones, I'm a best-selling author, I write, I call myself, basically for millennials, um, a book and business whisperer, right? Um, so I assist millennials who want to start a business to build their brand, as well as their business and income, which is important, along with helping those aspiring authors to self-publish successfully. Okay, so what is it that you love most about what you do? I think it's assisting people. At the end of the day, I find that most people prevent themselves from doing what they want to do because they're afraid of something. There's something that's holding them back due to doubt or fear, right? And helping them get over that point, I think is the most exciting thing. And then of course, when they make an impact and then they're making an impact, not just on their world and the world around them, they're making an impact on their bottom line too, right? So I like assisting people to one, get over the fears, to change the world and three to make bank and the three of those things combined seriously awesome do you ever find that um people have like weird 
attitudes around making bank? I do, um, especially for a woman talking about it. I find women, men can talk about money and it's cool. Yeah. Uh, when men talk about money, like when Gary Vee talks about making millions, it's like, oh man, that guy's a, he's a beast. Mm. But when a woman talks about money and a woman talks about um, being able to make money, not from a standpoint of assisting her family, but just from you know making money to change the world around her, mm. uh, people tend to look at it a little funny, but I realize that it has nothing to do with me. It has more to do with their own money blocks, right? Because at the end of the day, money is an energy like anything else. Money is a tool that we can use for good or evil. Just like a pen, we can use a pen to write beautiful poetry or we can use it to troll somebody, right? And write them a terrible letter and put a letter to the editor to distance somebody. We have that choice with a pen and we have the same choice with money. So I think just because a lot of people have these money blocks. They think, you know, money's the root of all evil. They think that you can't be wealthy and happy. They think, you know, they have these blocks because they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have a ton of wealth and you can have money. But because they have these blocks, they try to project them onto you. But I understand that, like I said, it's a tool and we can use that tool to assist the world around us and then also use us making money inspires others to make money. Like even Barack Obama, if he had done absolutely nothing in his presidency, like as far as work's concerned, the fact that he was president as a black man was enough to inspire others to think they can do the same. And with women, black women in particular, making money, um, and women in general, actually, and even men talking about money, it inspires others around them to make it as well. Because I think it really just it really just highlights who you are as an individual. So if you are a greedy person and you're broke, when you get money guaranteed, you're going to be greedy, right? Yeah. It doesn't change your personality. It just highlights your personality at the end of the day. Okay. So can we take a little bit of a step back to like, how did you, how did you get to this point where you had this much confidence and, you know, what made you like, figure out that um like can we go back to say like teenage genete or little girl genete and then that little that path from there to now yeah i never um i never thought money was bad i would say the biggest money block i had that i let go of a couple years ago was thinking that you know, I can spend it all because it's going to come back to me, which seems like a really positive one to have, right? Because you're thinking, you know, oh, well, she's positive about it. It's going to come back. But that in itself, itself is a block because at the end of the day, I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't deserve this right now, you know, or, you know, I, I'm not used to or comfortable with having a certain amount in my account. So let me spend it and then blame it on knowing that it's coming back. So um, that was the issue. But I never had a problem with my name and I heard the same things everyone else was saying. I heard, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. I heard another day, another dollar, which drives me crazy still to this day. Um, because, you know, time and money doesn't have to be like, anyway. So I heard these things, but I guess if it all boils down, when it all boils down to it, it's about who you surround yourself with mm. um, and what you surround yourself with. So even if you don't have positive role models in your life, it's ensuring that you're reading the books that are speaking life into you. It's ensuring that you're watching the YouTube videos that are doing those things. It's, you know, hanging around the people, if you have those in your life, hanging around people that's going to assist you to uplift yourself as well as fix that mindset if you do have any issues around it. Because if you're hanging around people who are broke all the time or people who hate money, then guaranteed you're going to create that reality for yourself as well. But I was always pretty mindful of my environment, physical environment as well as my mental environment. Mm. 
And I, yeah, I have to give you props for that because you've recommended a bunch of books to me. I recently finally started reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I saw that. I saw that. I don't know how I that post. I liked it yesterday on Instagram. I'm like, finally. Oh, my God. I feel like I told you that like eight years ago. You did. And the thing is, a lot of people podcasts, we listen to a lot of the same kind of people, I think, on podcasts. Maybe not the same podcast, but it seems like get people you know about, I know about as well. And that book has come up in a lot of those conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, it's... It's been great for changing my mindset a bit. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I saw that you met Deepak Chopra yesterday. Oh, he was freaking amazing. Like that guy. I've read a couple of his books, um, but I know him more so through Oprah because I'm obsessed yes. with Oprah, right? And he's like her spiritual guru. He's taught her how to meditate. They have like the friends, but they also have like a little partnership together. They do the 21 day meditation. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's a free one day meditation they do like every quarter. Um, So that's how I really got into him. But his, his talk yesterday, and I dragged your brother to it as well. By the way, DJ didn't mention it, but he is my brother-in-law. Yes. Um, <laughs> he is my brother-in-law. And I dragged your brother to it yesterday. He had no idea who Deepak Chopra was. Um, in fact, he was calling him Hip Hop Chopra. And I'm like, look. <laughs> so just being in that environment, he was soaking it up. And that's the thing. When you're around people that are like that, when you're surrounding yourself in environments with people who support and like the same things, or like similar things or have the similar type mindset, you have no choice but to just consume it all and just be in awe of it. Right, right. Speaking of all the mindset stuff too, okay, so, and, and you called me out, I, me just being, uh, you know, little rusty at this podcasting thing. So Gainette is from Bermuda, where I'm from. So, it, and she's my first official interview for this podcast. So it's only fitting that someone from Bermuda would be that and it would be Gainete, someone who is my sister-in-law. Um, but it's been dope having her as a sister-in-law because I don't have as many people around me who can relate to this sort of business, um, chasing your dreams at the same time stuff. And she and I can always kind of connect on that level. So it's been cool having that. Um, um, oh, I know what it was. I was going to say, I want to congratulate you because I saw you just finished your last day at your day job and you yes. were transitioned into official boss. Done. Peace. Drop the deuces after 12 years. Um, what's funny, a funny story with that one is about four years ago, right when I wrote my first book or like even before it was published, actually, before it went out, I remember meeting my husband, um, Dean at a restaurant for lunch and I was like, hey, um, you know, I gave him a ladder. He's like, what's this? I'm like, it's my resignation. He's like, uh, well, what you mean you're resigning? I'm like, look, I'm gonna sell a million copies of my book. This is gonna be great. Um, he's like, let's have a plan. Let's, let's create a solid plan. And um, to be honest, I had no real plan at the moment. I'm very much jump now, figure it out on the way. And his the complete opposite is very risk averse. So I love that balance because I would have definitely been um, possibly scruffing it out for a really long time, but I was able to build a solid business from that time. And I wrote the book, I was able to create programs. I have one-on-one sessions with um, what, my, what I call my girl chasers and my book bosses. So the entrepreneurs looking to build their brands as well as the authors. I also have um, e-courses for the same type niche and I have affiliate marketing. I have a membership site. 
I have so many different ways now, speaking engagements, of course, and consulting with my Pick My Brain sessions. So I actually was able to create in the last four years seven solid streams of income. And having that pressure to figure out a way to get out of this rat race was serious because I never want to be somewhere where I'm not happy. And the job was great. Like I was in the best department. I worked in a bank and I was in the best department ever. But when you're not happy with what you're doing, nothing around you can make you happy. You know, you have to be happy with what you're doing. And I knew that there was more for me out there. I was not happy. And I actually had to read a book that changed that, um, which was by Lisa Nichols. It's called um, Abundance Now. And she said, I read one, at least one book a week. So I'm going to probably mention a bunch of books in here. But in listening to this, because the whole time I'm at work, I'm listening to podcasts, you know, my pet Flynn, Smart Passive Income, or Amy Porterfield, Marketing Made Easy, all these things got my, my money mindset turned on, and my business mind had, my business had turned on at work, just trying to grind it out, thinking about my business. And listening to this book one day, I was listening to a, on her audiobook, and she said, you know, you're your job, don't look at your job as the enemy stopping you from working on your side hustle. Mm. Actually start to look at it as an investor. Sure. And that shifted, that one sentence in the entire book um, shifted my mindset because I'm like, you know what? This job is technically giving me a bi-weekly bonus, which is my paycheck, but it's giving me a chance every two weeks to be able to fund my lifestyle as it currently is while at the same time being able to work on something else. So I was able to shift my mindset and I feel like that shift helped me to even pull things together even faster. Um, but yeah, the question was, I left my nine to five. I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I'm going to stop you there too, because that's another thing that I was surprised to find when I read rich dad, poor dad, he actually condoned that same mentality as um, using your day job as a, a way to invest into yourself and I've done that too. And I, and another thing I, I caught, you said you have seven streams of income, you're collecting assets. And uh, that is a way to, you know, diversify your bonds as they say. And uh, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. So like, you're not completely relying on one thing. If one thing collapses, well, you have six other streams to, to rely on and you can kind of pick apart how to, replace that small section of your income. Um, so how did you get to a point where you figured out that these things were what you wanted to do? So like when I deal with creatives and they say, I know how to paint, I know how to draw, I know how to do all these things, but they have no idea which one they should do. Any advice for them? For sure. Um, figure out what you enjoy doing, right? Because there's nothing in this world that you cannot make money doing and these people may be rolling their eyes like here she goes with money again right mm. but you can 100 i believe you can 100 profit off of the things you're passionate about the things that can make change again in your life and the lives of others because it, it all comes down to service right serving others but first in order to do that you have to serve yourself by doing things that make you happy and the first thing I identified with was what makes me happy. What makes me happy is assisting others to, you know, achieve goals. What makes me happy is writing. So if I can do that through writing, then great. That's two things I can do. In fact, what I can do, I actually have a freebie. Um, 
that I have, which is called the Vision Plan of Purpose, which actually actually helps people to break down exactly what it is they're passionate about. Mm. Then from those passions to be able to create these goals that help them move forward to monetize those passions and then break those down even further and then break them down even further to create a schedule to get it done. So I can uh, I can give you the link to that so you can put it in the show notes for your audience just in case there is someone who is going through that. So for instance, just a random example, someone who says, you know, but I really love dancing and yoga and I love kids though and I want to teach kids and yeah. you know, it's like you know, some of our dreams may seem like they're unrelated. However, I can tell that same person, hey, well, if you love yoga and kids and dancing, you can do like a camp for kids, right? Or you can, you know, have a dance school for kids and maybe in between that you have a yoga session. And if you love travel, then travel doesn't necessarily have to be a part of your business. Maybe the lifestyle you create with this business allows you to travel, right? So mm. figure out a way to, if you can't marry your goals, figuring out a way to use the things that, or to marry your passions, I should say, finding out a way to use some of your passions or a passion of yours to fuel the other things in your life as well. So if you are passionate about painting, let's say, right? There's no such thing as a, well, there is such thing as a starving artist, but first you starve in your mind, right? I think 100% you can make money. And I heard a story I don't know um, if you've heard the story about the art, two artists that were friends that were um, selling a piece of artwork and they kept changing the prices. Did I tell you that story or have you heard this? No, story? I haven't. So, okay. There were two artists and they had painted and they were about to do like this. Um, they were taking it to an art show, art gallery, and they were going to sell them. So one artist put it up for, I think it was like a hundred bucks. They put theirs up for a hundred bucks and the other friend's like, well, I'll put mine up for a thousand bucks. And mm. they were still at the same time. So then the next time this friend got smarter, he's like, I'm not doing it for a hundred bucks. I'm going to put it up for a thousand bucks. And the other friend at this point has already leveled up. He's like, well, if I can sell it that quickly for a thousand, maybe I can sell it that quickly for 10,000. So that happened. And then they both sold quickly. So the other friend again, smartened up and said, I'm going to do it for 10,000. Mm -hmm. And this friend then said a hundred thousand. So again, they both went quickly. So then the next time the friend said, I'm doing a hundred thousand. And the guy said, you know what? I'm going to stop like increasing it. And I'm just going to go to a million. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to sell it for a million. Like nobody's going to pay a million dollars for a piece of artwork that the person's not like a celebrity or famous artist. Yeah. And, they, and they went to the show, the friend, the first friend just sold his piece for what he had priced it for. And the million stayed there. Um, and, you know, the adults were kicking in. He was thinking about changing the price. His friend, you know, was teasing him. I told you you were silly. And it took a couple months, but he sold it for that million. So he was glad that he hadn't, you know, allowed that fear to overcome him or listen to his friend. So right. I said, say that there's no such thing as a starving artist. You, it's all about the mindset, right? If you have the tenacity to stick with it and you have the mindset to go with it, you can sell anything that you create. And of course, with obviously tactical, um, tactical, you know, strategies to assist you to find that audience to pay for it, you can 100% do it. Right. But back to your point, if you have someone who loves to paint, a lot of times they think the only way they can make money is to create a painting and sell that at an art show or, you know, 
do something like that or maybe create an Instagram page and sell it that way or on the website. But there are so many ways you can do this. You can create online e-courses teaching people how to paint. There are so many people that, that don't even know the first part of how to mix colors, you know, what works well, how to dry your brushes and clean them properly. Like that's one way you can work in your passion and do something a bit outside the box that allows you to also create something that helps, again, like you said, create that um, the safety net a bit if some, one of the other things is taking a bit longer to take off, right? So you right. Can, of course, you can create workshops, you can do sip and paints. Like there are so many other things we can do and we put ourselves in these boxes thinking that we can only do that one career that comes with this, you know? Um, maybe it's painting shirts. Like it's a girl in Bermuda, El Shante Fogo. She paints on clothing and she had fabulous wearing his um, Tim's that she painted for him, right? Robert Fab. So it's yeah. like, you can use your art to do so much stuff. And that's why I love that your brand's called Art Pays Me. I'm back to this pay thing because you can profit off of the things you're passionate about as long as in doing so, you're making an impact in someone's life, right? Because at the end of the day, no matter what business it is, you have to be able to solve a problem for someone. So that problem may be that their walls are blank and they want something nice to look at. Okay, you're solving the problem by putting a picture up. Maybe you're a comedian and you're solving a problem. Maybe someone's depressed and you're helping them to laugh or you're helping them to forget the troubles for a bit, right? Through that entertainment. We all solve problems no matter what it is that we do. Yeah. And as long as we're genuine in our approach in doing that, like the money flows. It definitely flows through. Mm. So with that said, how do, well, I guess you gonna. I was gonna say, how do you establish what you pay? But at the end of the day, I guess it's up to the artist to establish what they're worth, right? Oh, one hundred percent. Obviously, with and especially with art, right? Because it's subjective. Someone may hate something that you create, and another person fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. So you definitely set your own prices. I know in my industry, um, when I say my industry, I just mean the online space. Period. So yeah. trainings, coaches, coaches, like all the things. Um, some people, some people undercharge like any industry. And then you have those who overcharge and they don't have the experience. So if I'm selling you a 4,000 ticket item, um, and we're, we're talking for an hour, right? Let's just say you're, I saw a quote that said, you're not paying for that hour. You're paying for my years of experience behind that hour. You're paying yes. for Yes, not just the years of experience, but the people I've interacted with, the things I've learned, the books I've read, you're taking it all in, in that hour. So I mean, you're not just gonna pull things out of the sky, right? So, um, but for art, again, you can because it is subjective, but you're gonna take in, for the very basic, you're gonna take into account your time, right? Mm -hmm. What you think your time is worth. You're gonna take into account the materials you've already spent. And then whatever premium you put on top of that is up to you based on your mindset, based on your audience, right? Because if you're targeting, let's say like um, an urban neighborhood, you know, you're drawing like street art, and you have pictures of rappers and, you know, photos of rappers, faces of rappers and stuff like that, yeah. it's very unlikely that the Bill Gates of the world is going to grab that, right? Because it's not for them. And that's fine. But understand who your audience is. And then maybe it means buying less expensive supplies. Maybe it means, you know, selling them different places so that that audience can find them. You maybe have to sell a bit more. For the lower ticket items, you always have to sell more of them, right? Sure. Like with that million dollar thing, it may have taken them a little while longer, but he sold it. Um, whereas the other one, he could keep charging 10 grand or, you know, 1,000 1, and selling it constantly every month. But 
yeah, hopefully that answered your question. No, it did. Thank you. So with, with all of this, um, I've had to deal with people who refuse to pay me and stuff like that. A lot of it because my business processes are not set up properly. <laughs> um, what's your biggest frustration about being a business owner? Are there any frustrations? Um, first of all, anyone going through any non-payment, let me say this, take money in advance. Um, have contracts secured. And when I say take money in advance, I'm not saying like take your money and run, right? I'm saying make sure that for your time, for your effort, for your art, that you are being compensated for it and you're not wasting your time. So that may mean, you know, creating a contract and having them pay half upfront and half upon delivery if you're like a graphic designer, right? Mm -hmm. Just ensuring that they know that they have to pay. And it creates this a bit of a fear, right, in them when they see a contract because they now feel like they're obligated to fulfill it. Um, so payment has never been an issue for me. Um, in fact, for any of the services, the payment is upfront. And that's because I, I know the value in it. I've seen people who benefit ridiculously from it. Um, and I find as well, if people really want to benefit what they, from what they receive, then they have to make that investment. It's like that sacrifice in order to receive anything or to take anything um, to heart in order to really feel grateful and, you know, utilize what it is that you're getting or, you know, take action for me, let's say an e-course in order for you to really begin to take action, giving you a freebie is not going to help it. You know, you have to make that commitment to yourself and be invested in it in order to see that return. Um, so people who get what they want and they haven't paid yet, in their mind, you know, they've already received it. They've already gotten that excitement out of it. They've already gotten whatever thrill they wanted from it, whether that was like a flyer for something or, you know, whatever it is, they've already got it, what they need from you. So they have no reason to pay now. Um, you have to, you know, make them do that upfront. But for me, I guess my biggest frustration, I wouldn't say necessarily with clients, but with those who think they want to be clients would be, you know, um, not being willing to invest in their success. Mm -hmm. And to invest in their success doesn't necessarily mean with money either. It's investing your time, your energy, your effort. Because any of my one-on-ones as well, I do enrollment calls. So I, first of all, you fill out an application on the page on my website. And then from that application, I decide whether or not it's a great idea to either have a 20 minute conversation to see if my program's a good fit or to drive you to like one of the free sources that I have. I have free resources. Um, because we may not be great, a great fit. And the reason I do that is because I'm really particular about who I work with, right? And this is getting back to the point. Be really particular with who you work with. I know um, sometimes as business owners, we feel as if we should be working with everybody because, you know, we want to pay our rent or, you know, we want to pay our mortgage and all these things. But at the end of the day, if we aren't being really intentional about who we put ourselves out there to work with, then we're just going to be attracting a whole lot of garbage back to us. So I'm really intentional about who I work with. And the biggest thing is when people tell me, you know, I, they will write me on Instagram, for instance, and say, oh my goodness, I really want to write a book, but I just don't have the time. Same people who's always liking the pictures or commenting on the pictures or sending DMs. If you have the time to do any of that, you have the time to stop and write your book, you know? Yeah. And I mean, even if it takes you 10 years, don't tell yourself you can't do it. It's about changing that can into how. So don't say you can't do it. Figure out how you can do it. Maybe that means shaving off 20 minutes a day from Instagram scrolling and writing an outline. You know, maybe it means turning off your TV an hour earlier at night and writing your book. 
because you know a lot of times these ideas in our mind are so much these trials and triumphs and hurdles i should say are so much bigger in our mind but when we sit down and do them we realize that they're not that bad after all mm -hmm. yeah so, so I, yeah, oh, go ahead no, i have a really difficult time um working with people who don't make time for themselves so i'm not in the business to coach you through you know figuring out that you're wasting your time i give free resources to help you to figure out your time like i'm about to do a youtube video about time hacks and stuff like that but if you don't take the time to apply that we're going to spend our entire time together trying to work through all that rather than getting you to the place you want to be so those things we need to work on ourselves first so i drive people to books i drive them to different resources so that they can overcome certain things before we begin to work mm. So she's actually, you know, she, she walks that walk because you are a mother so, um, and a wife. So you know what it means. And actually, you had that full-time job for a while. So you know what it means to find time. And, uh, you know, Scott, you, you found a way to prioritize your goals enough um, so that you can get to where you are. Yeah, you have to make the time. Um, and I tell people all the time, like, you aren't going to find the time at the end of the day because we all have the same 24 hours. There's not going to be any time hiding behind a corner. We have to make it. And it's like for writing my book, my first book, I woke up four o'clock in the morning. Was it inconvenient? Sure was. Um, but at the same time, like you said, I am a mother. So from 6 a.m. at that time, I was prepping lunch. She's now old enough to take care of her own stuff, thank goodness. But she was, I was prepping lunch and, you know, doing all those things at 6 o'clock. So I knew from 6 a.m. I was busy. In the afternoon, I was PTA president at her school. So I didn't have time on that back end either. And I wanted to work on the business. So if I wanted to talk about writing a book, I had to figure out some short-term sacrifice that allowed me to do that. So that meant 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, an alarm going off telling me write that book. And every day I got up to write it, I didn't always want to, but I take it like exercise. It's like, you know, you may not want to always exercise, but that's not going to prevent you from getting the results on the days you don't want to. Motivation is mm -hmm. not going to always be there. And you have to figure out a way to make things work for you in the schedule that you have. Like I've had so many clients that have worked two jobs. They're doing a class on the side, but when you have a vision, when you have a dream, when you have a desire to monetize your passions and to assist those around you, then you figure out a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Do any of your clients express frustration with maybe the people around them who don't understand why they're working so hard or why they're willing to sacrifice hanging out with them in order to do what they need to do? Yes. Um, yes. And I actually have a YouTube video about that as well. So it's, it's a few different types of negative Nancy's and, you know, like terrible Tim's or whatever, right? There's people in your life that there's people that in your life that just don't get it. There are going to be people in your life that are going to be naysayers. Like, DJ, you really think you're going to be able to pull off a fashion show? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're going to have those people. And at the end of the day, you have two choices. You can either, well, three choices. You can ignore them you can eliminate them or you can deal with them. But to deal with them, that energy exchange is gonna to take too much from you. So the best two things you can do for yourself is to ignore them or to let them go, right? And if it is someone who is like a really close member, so not just a random you know, coworker or something, if it's yeah. a close family member or a friend that you find really dear that just aren't getting this piece of your life, then a lot of times I find it falls back on us and it's the communication aspect. 
in our minds, we think that we are telling the full story because we're so involved in it. We're so entrenched in the work. But sometimes we have to take that step back and say, look, um, this is why I'm working on this because this is important to me. And you may not have to get this. You may not have to understand this or even support it wholeheartedly, but I need you to respect it. And if yeah. you're coming around and you have either an issue with it or you have something to say to try to stop me and prevent me from doing it, then there's going to be a problem going forward. Because a lot of times, again, it goes back to, like I was saying with the money thing, it's the blocks that they have and they try to project them onto you, right? So you can't let them be fearful of achieving things that make them happy. Or maybe they have a business idea or maybe they're singers and you know they've always been terrified of singing in front of people. So they never pursued that dream any further. You know, they have these things in the back of their mind and they don't realize that that's the reason they're projecting those fears onto you. But at the end of the day, their only goal in your life or the only reason to be there, one is to support if they can, but also um, to be there as a friend at the end of the day, if they are the friend, right? To be there as a friend. They don't have to be your business consultant. They don't have to get it. Yeah, that's right. So with that said, what is next for you? Um, I just wrote a second book. So I oh. self-published my first book, which was an, I self-published it in 2015. And the second book I wanted to traditionally publish. So I've recently gotten a literary agent. We're going through a few edits right now before we put it out um, to the publishing houses. So we have that. I am in the process of creating a new program. So that's going to be a cubicle ditch academy um, to assist people building their side hustles to a place where they can, you know, sustain themselves and eventually leave to better serve themselves and others as well as making bank. Um, and I also want to, I have a TED talk coming up this year as well, a TEDx talk in Bermuda. So that's going to be fun. Um, I have a few things in the pipeline, but I also want to just talk to people a bit more in general, whether it's on, like, on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, wherever, um, about the money blocks, because I'm realizing this is a big issue. Um, just talking to you, talking to someone yesterday, you know, bringing it up that people do have these issues. And like I said, a Gary Vee can talk about his millions and people are debbing him up as a boss, but when a woman does this, it seems as if it's like it's not um it's not kosher it's not it's not just and they almost think that she's a bit creepy or that her priorities are twisted because she's worrying about money and get it don't get it wrong like money isn't the top thing for me for me it's freedom right and freedom is financial freedom and time freedom but the time freedom freedom is so important because it allows you to spend that time with family and friends to do the traveling to do the things you love so freedom is the overall driver for me and it may be the overall driver for Gary V as well, but the thing people relate to when you're talking is money. So I definitely want to speak to more people about that because I think that if we can get over our hurdles with being, you know, uncomfortable talking about something that sustains us and there's life on earth, <laughs> then I think that we can move forward and really progress in our businesses. Yeah, I, I think the sad thing from when I, I talk to certain artists and I've had these this mentality myself too is we want – we're so concerned about being accessible mm. and having our artwork be accessible and we don't want to be perceived as bougie or as above people. So we price our work at, you know, very low. And, but then we end up putting ourselves in these very difficult life situations and we're not allowed to have that freedom 
And we don't necessarily recognize that having more money can allow us to do good things with that money, to have freedom to make more art. To So it's not a necessarily evil thing like people always like to think. So yeah, Actually, even just to touch on that, um, really quickly, you can be accessible uh, without putting down the prices of your content, right? Mm. So I make myself accessible through providing value on YouTube. I mm. make myself accessible by having books that are lower ticket items. And even my membership for my Freedom Stay in a Circle is a $33 item, right? So it's $33 a month. They pay for that, which is my lower ticket items. So if they can't access me with my one-on-one stuff or my group to one or even my e-courses that I create, I give them other avenues to do so. And even if they can't do the $33 or, you know, the 20 bucks for my book, or it's actually $15, I think, on Amazon, but whatever, um, for the book, then they still have the option of hopping onto my Instagram page and from that Instagram page, becoming inspired and getting tips. And like I share my, I shared a post recently with like my top business podcast or, you know, maybe watching that or looking at that would spark something in them to go and check it out. And from there, they shift their mindset and are able to achieve. So you can make yourself accessible by doing other things. And you're doing that one with this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing it with the podcast. You're doing it when you speak at these events. So you are making yourself accessible. But we have to remember that making ourselves accessible doesn't mean you know, sacrificing our own work because that what that does, it doesn't make yourself accessible. That actually makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to life because yeah. you aren't able to support yourself and you aren't setting a good example at the end of the day for other people who want to make art their career if they see you struggling. You want to be able to, you know, put yourself out there as someone who is living their dream, doing what they love, and they're creating content that everyone can consume at the end of the day. So, you know, and when I say everyone, meaning all levels, because yeah. you're not targeting everyone, but people from all different levels, your niche, but also people who may not be there right now. Maybe they'll be there in five years. So they're still part of your sphere of, you know, your tar- target audience, but they're just not there to be able to purchase, you know, your graphic design course, let's say, you mm-hmm. know, maybe they can look at your YouTube until they get to a place where they are there. Cool. So how can my folks get in touch with you? How do they find you on the internets? So I am Gainette everywhere. And that's actually a tip for any of you guys. If you have a business, make sure that you are the same everywhere because that makes people easily able to find you, but also that makes you shareable. So if they're talking to a friend, they aren't saying, you know, like, oh, it's art pays me. It's our page me on Facebook, but I think his name's Devane Jones on Instagram, but I'm pretty sure his, um, his, you know, Facebook or website is this, like you can't be all over the place. So anyway, it's Gainete everywhere. And I'll tell you how to spell that because my name is not the easiest to remember. Um, it's G A Y N E T E. So Gainete.com for the website at Gainete for Instagram and Twitter and YouTube is Gainete as well. Gainete, that was incredible. Thank you. I think that my people, I hope they will, they should get some valuable information from this. And I hope that they will actually put it to use because I learn a lot from you all the time. And uh, thanks again for your time. Thank you for having me, DJ. All right. Podcast viewers. (laughs) That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, 
please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at rpaysme.com or at rpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.